You're listening to the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast with Chicago attorney Dave Scriven Young. Emotional Intelligence Book Club. My name is Dave Scriven Young, a lawyer focusing on litigation and environmental law and construction law from Illinois. We're uh, helping to create the next generation of lawyers with high emotional intelligence through a weekly book club and daily practical posts, facebook.com slash lawyers EQ. During our book club discussions, we will do a deep dive into books that will help us develop emotional intelligence skills, specifically think about how we can begin to use these skills in our law practices. I will be live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central for this discussion, and it is a discussion. Um, please liberally use whatever comment box that you see, uh, whatever platform you're on to ask questions or to make comments. Um, I, I'm sitting, going to sit here and try to facilitate that. We have viewers on Instagram. Hopefully, we have viewers on Twitter, Facebook, and um, YouTube. So hopefully, we'll have a great discussion today. Um, I don't want to sit here as an expert. On the contrary, I'll be learning along with all of you, and I'm really interested in hearing your opinions and observations. So would love to see all of you in the chat. Um, if you just want to tell me where you're from, um, and uh, uh, you know, if you're a lawyer, if you're not a lawyer, that'd be great as well. I see my friend uh, Scott from the ABA from Maryland is on Instagram. Good to see you there. And we will get started. I see my lovely wife checking in from Naperville on Facebook. Hello. And all right. So we got a few people. That's good. I'm sure more people as we go along um, will be stopping by. And, you know, feel free um, as we – well, let me turn on the camera for a second there. Uh, feel free, you know, as we – you know, to pop in and out. This is a discussion. Um, certainly, although it's a book club, I think people think, oh, my gosh, I haven't read the book. Um, because I'm just here and trying to facilitate a discussion. And no, there's no uh, real reason for you to read the book, although I, I do suggest it because the books that I pick, I think are very useful. So anyway, let's, uh, let's start our discussion. Let's get the slideshow going. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, I am a degree graduate from, from uh, DePaul University College of Law here in Chicago. Well, I'm actually in Naperville, but my office is in Chicago. Um, I'm senior counsel at the law firm of Picard and Abrams, uh, where I am a civil litigator. I also do construction law and environmental law. My mission, very broad, um, but I uh, hope to identify and share historically correct knowledge and resources in an inspiring and entertaining format in order to help others meet and exceed goals and standards in every area of their lives. For lawyers, I do that in a number of ways, including um, this video cast. I also have a podcast called the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast. And um, you know, I do a lot of things on social media as well. So hopefully you're, you're inspired as well as entertained. I try to be as entertaining as I can. And with uh, the entertainment as well by, you know, sharing your comments and um, questions as we go along. So what did we talk about last time? Uh, we started talking about the stress solution by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Um, and we did that because we're, do, we're, talk, we're in the self-management category of emotional intelligence. We are, first of all, the first thing that we did is we accepted an advantage that was uh, one of our previous books. And then we talked about stress. We talked specifically about micro and macro stress doses. So those micro stress doses, if you recall, are those little things that stress you out every day, whether that's your alarm clock, whether that's uh, having a fight with your kids or your parents or fam other family members. Um, whether it's, you know, social media posts that stress you out for various reasons, et cetera. Macro stress doses are some of those uh, massive life-altering experiences. Um, they call, I think, 
what Dr. Chatterjee called them is, um, you know, like adult lifetime stress or something like that. It's like really bad things that happen. And what he says is there's a certain threshold that you get to that sort of takes you over the top. All of these micro stress accumulate and then it turns into very long-term health impacts, uh, negative health impacts. And so the stress solution is essentially looking at four different areas of our life. One is purpose, one is relationships, one is body, and one is mind. And those are the areas of our, our lives that can stress us out. And so those are the, what, what we're dealing with um, in this. So what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to go through a little bit of recent news on the stress side of things. Uh, we're going to discuss last week's action item. We're going to continue discussing Dr. Chatterjee as a stress solution. And we're going to uh, be dealing with uh, continuing on with purpose about the tactics of reframing and about gratitude. So let's talk about some uh, recent news. So there were two stories that I saw uh, uh, that I thought were very relevant to the discussion that, that we have. Um, and they're about pandemic is impacting mental health. One was specifically related to, uh, one was specific, was not. One was just a general study. One was in Law 360, obviously related to lawyers. The uh, Washington Post story uh, was generally about just how the pandemic is, well, it's, it's how the pandemic is pushing America into a mental health crisis. So the Law 360 article talked about how uh, legal work has plummeted and as a result, lawyers are stressed. So I wonder, you know, put in the comments if you've seen this in your uh, in your firm or in your practice, whether uh, y'all are more busy than normal, are you less busy than normal? Um, for me, I think you know my practice really uh, goes goes up and down. Let me just throw the camera back up. Um, my I go through, you know, just busy and uh, postponed or suspended. So those cases were not, you know, I'm not working on pretty much at all. But there are some cases that are actually very active. And we actually had one case where uh, there was a, it occurred in Italy. And we, our plaintiff, actually, and it's rare that we represent plaintiffs um, in my practice, but um, they, we actually sued in Cook County because the defendant was in Cook County. And so um, the defendant had made a formal convenience motion, meaning he wanted to move, he wanted to dismiss the case to have our plaintiff refile in Italy. And so what the, the Cook County has basically suspended um, most of what, most of what happened, you know, most court proceedings. There has been no in-person hearings for months, certainly no jury trials. And um, so most of the time you're filing a motion, the briefing is done, and then, you know, you're basically in July. that lot of several is well number one you know what lockdown order in place in Italy how does that weigh upon the form of convenience motion and then secondly how is the fact that the United you know, Kingdom left the European Union how does that impact this motion as well and the impact there is you know whether or not i guess in the european union there's a, a, a process where you can more easily get discovery and trial testimony from a witness who was within the european union if they're not within the european union you have to go through this um, treaty process that's a little more inconvenient so 
interestingly enough, you know, that popped up where that case may have not, you know, may have just been inactive for a long period of time. That actually turned into a substantial amount of work for a short period of time, writing that brief, doing research on, you know, what's going on in Italy, doing research on uh, the law, the interesting. That's me. You know, some people's uh, practices, you know, employment practices, I'm sure are, you know, doing really well because everyone want, can't, wants to figure out, wanted to figure out, you know, number one, how to close down, maybe how to furlough folks, how to deal with various human resources issues. Um, and you know, those people ha were busy then. They're probably busy now trying to f help people figure out what the various state lockdown orders mean and that sort of thing. So employment practices are probably up. I know bankruptcy practices. You know, some practices are up, some practices are down. But in terms of uh, legal work and the stress, let me go back to the slideshow so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so the study that is talked about in this Law 360 article is that the number of, of new, new, mat, new legal matters open since the beginning of the year is down 30%. 56% saw significant decrease in requests for legal help. 59% said they are significantly less busy at work. And I could totally understand how that's true, especially in certain industries or uh, with firms that service certain industries. Like, you know, if you're, if you service industry and that's where you get, you know, your, your bread and butter, unless you're due employment work, probably not, probably not that great. So, um, you know, we all are dealing with this and our practices have been impacted in in very different ways. So here we go. Um, so as a result, lawyers are stressed. It, according to this article, three fourths of legal professionals said that they were experiencing more stress and anxiety than before the pandemic, and that is in contrast to the 65% of the general population who is experiencing more stress and anxiety than before the pandemic. So that number, 65%, is large enough. And then you put on top of that an extra, what, 10% of folks, you know, we are, you know, more stressed out and more anxious than ever before. And then you looking at the, you know, Washington Post article, that, that, is, that article is saying that we're being pushed into a mental health crisis. Why, why am I telling you this? Well, first I wanted to spark, or at least attempt to spark a little bit of discussion um, in that, you know, I wonder if the folks watching are feeling more, more stressed out, if you feel like your, your practices are, um, you know, have been really been impacted by, by the pandemic. I mean, me, I think, you know, the whole reason I restarted this uh, book club, restarted my podcast is because you know, I've been, I've obviously been feeling much more stress, although it's, it's fantastic being at home. It's just a total shift um, that has occurred, you know, not going to the office, trying to, you know, dealing with all of the technology, whether it's working or not, um, dealing with clients who, are, you know, are having their own issues, having, you know, work colleagues who are stressed out as well and dealing with their own, you know, home problems. So, all of that coming together. And then of course, when you add to that education, you know, for your children, taking care of, you know, elderly parents, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I'm sure that everyone, everyone is dealing with uh, more stress and anxiety uh, than before this. I'm actually surprised that that number is only 75%. That, uh, that, that 15% must, I don't know, they must be living on a, on an island somewhere because, and not have kids and not have anyone to, to deal with. Um, and maybe not even really practicing law because I can't imagine, or, or on the other hand, their lives were so bad to be, to start with that, 
you know, they really, really couldn't get any worse, which is really sad in itself. Um, but anyway, so let's, uh, let's move on. So the disclaimer here, as always, you know, this is not a replacement for necessary psychological or medical treatment. Consult a doctor or other medical professional if you're have if you're suffering from extreme stress, suicidal thoughts, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and the reason why I brought up this article is there are there really it's really important to note that you know if you're going through a hard time, you know you are certainly not alone and feel uh, free. And I really encourage you to you know, get the help that you need. Um, you know, there, there are places for lawyers like the Lawyers Assistance Programs in your particular state that can refer you to uh, mental health professionals. Um, in Illinois, there's, uh, we have a great uh, lab program that has all sorts of uh, different, not only different, you know, uh, people that you could talk to, but also a lot of resources, including groups that you can join. There are men's groups, there are law student groups, um, women's groups, um, all sorts of, of different groups that, that come together and provide um, sort of a, a sounding board, but also provide resources for each other. So let's talk about last week's action item. So we're, we were, talk, we're talking about stress. And we're talking about how um, we one of the about purpose and how purpose has two meanings. One is that you you when you live your life according to what purpose you think your life has, then you're going to be more happy. Then you're going to be more uh, or less stressed, right? But also that you should live your life on purpose. So not your emotions and everything kind of, you know, drag you around, but that you actually have, um, you have a purpose for the moment. You have a purpose for the day and you want to live your life with that purpose. And so one of the, the first uh, tactic to try to get you there is to, is to have an affirmation. And what we wanted to do last week for seven days was to write down qualities you'd like to change. Write down your affirmations. The one that I chose was I am calm and stress-free because stress is the thing that I needed. I need to work on, I think, the most. Um, and then say it in the morning and repeat it throughout the day. And then at night, write down, what, um, write down how you think it, it made you feel about the qualities that you wanted to change. So again, my affirmation was I'm calm and stress-free. And what I did was I had my little calendar that my kids, um, let me turn on the, where is, there we go. Uh, but I do have this little sticky note that it has my affirmation on it. And I put it right above where my computer is. And so if I'm feeling stressed out, if I'm feeling, um, like I need just a moment, I can come back to my affirmation. I am calm and stress-free. And I got to tell you, um, there were some some moments that I it really helped, that I really felt that, you know, I was really stressed out in the moment. And, you know, it really helped me to just remember, you know, that I can be calm and stress-free. And it's something like an affirmation. It's not everything. I don't, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't rely on it for everything, but I think it's one sort of quiver in an arrow, a arrow in a quiver that I would use uh, to pull out of my bag of, of tools to stop, you know, some uh, stressful tendency that I have or some stressful situation and I can just have a moment of calm. I am calm and stress-free. It really did help. Um, so I wonder if anyone else had... Um, had an experience using an affirmation? Uh, did you use it once and then say, heck with it. <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it ever again because this is silly. Because thinking about my affirmation is, you know, worse than anything else. Uh, that was my fear coming into it. My fear was it really was going to be a thing where I'm going to have to remember, oh my gosh, what was my affirmation? But then it would really helped me to just 
throw it up on you know a sticky note on my calendar just let it just let it sit up there and uh you know it seemed to it was good just to be able to refer to it every day every moment in a moment that i needed it i could just refer to it so um i thought it was helpful just you know as i said what we're going to do is we're going to go through these tactics we're going to go through this book and you may think some of them some of the while wow, that was really cool and then i'm going to use throughout my life on the other hand about that and some just so i all of these to it's really going to change it for the better, I think. So let's move on. All right. So that, that was affirmations. I thought it was very helpful. What we're going to be going to now is called reframing. And reframing is our ability to be motivated and purposeful. Uh, our ability to be motivated and purposeful depends on how we choose to interpret a stressful event. So a stressful events happen to us all the time. And what reframing uh, reminds us is that really how you are affected really depends on how you choose to look at that event. And what Dr. Chatterjee reminds us is that how we frame our situation is a choice and we'll be happier if we take control of how we're framing our life and make it work for us rather than against us. And I saw this, you know, I'm on, I'm on this, you know, newsletter uh, in the email and I thought, wow, you know, this is exactly sort of what reframing I think can help us to do. So. This is for those on Instagram. It's a picture of a elderly lady um, who is washing some carrots, and she is who knows what she's going to do. Is she going to make dinner? Is she going to just she want the snack and want carrots? Who knows? I think what we're supposed to assume is she's washing off these carrots because she's going to make a family dinner. Dinner for a whole group of people, maybe dinner for herself, maybe dinner for her, you know, for grandpa, who, who knows. But the quote is, even transformed into love, and that makes all the difference. So this is, to me, this is like the perfect image for reframing. She's washing these carrots. Imagine that this nice elderly grandmother has... You know, maybe she has health problems. Maybe her back hurts. Maybe she has had a bad day. And she's got to make dinner for her husband or for her family. And she's washing these carrots. And she could either be thinking, this is terrible. Like, they can make dinner for themselves. These carrots have been in my refrigerator forever. This is just, she could be thinking, reframing it. And thinking, you know, this is great. I have my family with me. I have my husband with me. What have you. I'm going to make this great dinner. Um, yeah, it's hard, hard work. And yeah, it's just carrots that I took out of my refrigerator. But it's going to be it's going to be great. And I'm going to enjoy time with my family. I'm going to enjoy the, uh, the cooking of the this food because I really can get some enjoyment out of it. And so just thinking about how you how how you can view this go into her mind and just thinking about this situation this event of having to make dinner washing these carrots can be thought of in two extremely different ways and the way that you think about it, the way she thinks about it is really either going to stress her out and make her unhappy or it's going to make her happy and grateful that she gets to do this and be in this moment so we're gonna try something a little bit tricky. Um, I'm gonna to try to play this video and hope it, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But 
you'll get the gist, I think, at the end of the day. So there's this movie called Happy, and essentially talks about um, it talks about sort of the science behind ha- happiness and how you can become happy if you do certain things. I think it, it very well uh, delves into many of the things that we talk about in this book club. Um, but the one thing that, um, th- and I'm going to show you this video, and I think the video on YouTube is essentially like director's commentary on the video. So, you know, what have you. But you'll get across the message of that this guy in Calcutta, India has this job and you'll see what the job is hopefully and um and how he's able to sort of reframe his life and still be happy so all right let's see if we can do this so to try to try to share the video okay there's the video so doing okay so far and i have an extra I have a, a video to the side here that to play at the same time. Hopefully it'll work. If not, I'll just describe it to you. Here we go. Now here we are in India. Uh, I went there following a man who's known as the Indiana Jones of Happiness Research because he goes to far-flung places around the world to collect data about happiness. While much data is collected on college campuses, uh, Robert Biswas Diener goes to places like the Serengeti in Africa uh, and to Greenland. He goes to places like the jungles of South America, uh, and in this case to a very poor part of Calcutta, India, collect data amongst people who are at the bottom end of the socioeconomic totem pole. And uh, we followed Robert around for a couple of days, and we saw him collecting data, which is an interesting process where you not only um, ask an individual how happy they feel on a scale of one to ten and you give them a bunch of tests and you sort of analyze that data but you also ask their relatives you ask their friends or their husband or wife how happy do you think this person is and in general uh the responses tend to corroborate if you think you're a happy person it's pretty likely that your friends and your family will think you're a happy person one reason why Manoj is in the film is i was really struck by the power of his perspective that despite the fact that he gets so it's even or 20 minutes away when he's going to dry off from being soaked by a monsoon rain or maybe a few hours away where he's able to look forward to coming home to see his children that ability to see a brighter future and to have hope is a skill that many of the happy people I met making this film all shared. Some people would look at it and say, you know, this is a slum, it's filthy, there's open sewage, there are animals running around eating garbage. It's a place you would never want to live. On the other hand, the community that I saw there, the bond which people shared, was beautiful and more nurturing than I experienced in almost any You get the gist of uh, of that video where when you think about all of the things that they don't have, think of all of the things that they don't have in India that we have. Think about this guy, you know, with this rickshaw and they have these monsoon rains in India. And you saw the house, hopefully, um, I don't know how the, the audio was coming through, um, but you saw his house. You saw the way that, that he was dressed. You saw sort of the environment around, and it was devastatingly poor. Conditions. And yet, he had a great sensibility about him. 
a great way of, of thinking, a joy about the job that he had, that he had, about the family that he So that's not so the question I think is why and and the the point that the the video makes is that Minaj, the guy in this video, was as happy as an average American. Why was that? Why do you think that he was just as happy as? You were me, and although he is in, you know, these terrible slum conditions, why is that? I think, I think the reason um, is that. Well, what do, what do we have that Menage should not? I mean, that's kind of an obvious question, right? And um, again, free, feel free to to chime in on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, YouTube, uh, use your comments because I, I hopefully we'll be able to see them. But he, I mean, there's a ton of things that he has that we have that he does not, right? I mean, that's completely obvious just watching watching the video. But yet, why are some people in this country, some lawyers, not as happy as Minaj? It's um, a question that I think all of us have to deal with, and I think it's the 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 reason why, I mean, we have to ask this question and that's why they have these documentaries. That's why they have so many books about, you know, how, how to be happy, how to live a, a purpose, purposeful life, how to be stress-free. It's because there are people in this country, some of them lawyers, who are not as happy as someone in Calcutta, India, who drives, I mean, drive is kind of a weird term, but pushes a rickshaw, rickshaw, lives in a ramshackle house, and is probably very poor. And it could be because of reframing. So let's talk a little bit about what that is. So when we're in the middle of a, of a stressful situation, the emotional brain becomes dominant. And the rational brain is sidelined, so we're look at things logically. And that's so true, right? And I, the the term, you know, getting red in the face, exactly what it is. You get red in the face, you are so stressed out and maybe angry that you're not really able to think rationally. And without the ability to reframe, without being able to, um, without being able to look at a situation in a different way, our stress levels will increase as the emotional brain keeps ruminating on what's happened to you, keeps finding evidence that your life is, un, is a mess, that you're a victim, that the world is unsafe and unfair. And we have a comment that says, the more complicated our lives, the less happy we are. I could definitely buy that. And at the same time though, there are people who have extremely complicated lives who are extremely happy. There are some people who live very not complicated lives who are just stressed out and, you know, on drugs and that sort of thing, right? So complication, I think, has something to do with it. I, I, do, I do agree with that. Um, but I think the ability to look at a situation in a certain way, I think, um, is is definitely true for the guy in, in this video. So there is scientific evidence that we can gain huge altering the way that we view our daily stresses. There was a study in 2012 that found that if we change the way we think about a stressful event, we can improve our physical health, and also the way our brain reacts to microstress doses. Those who reframed those microstress doses had lower blood pressure, higher attention levels, and even improved efficiency of their heart muscle. 
So there's a couple of ways that we can start to reframe. So the first is uh, if you're in a stressful situation or a stressful place, this is what Dr. Chatterjee recommends is that you focus your attention not on your particular situation, but on the wider world, looking at the big picture. So what he says is to visualize yourself shooting up into the sky and seeing yourself as just another ant speck moving along the pavement. You're just a small part of a world and you're there to do And so it's kind of like, I don't know, to me it's like, it's almost like making fun of your situation in a way or making light of your situation, right? You are, yeah, I don't know, getting yelled at by your boss. And he says some very impolite things. Well, I guess on the phone, right? Because <laughs> you're in your home office. So you're, on your, you're in your home office, your boss calls you, he's starting, he yells at you for whatever you did, who knows? And, you know, yells at you, insults you, whatever and he hangs up on you and you're sitting there in your situation and you're thinking oh my gosh i can't believe this happened to me you know why does this always happen to me why is my boss such a jerk and you're sitting there this really stressed out and angry but then you sort of do this you you visualize yourself from above and you're looking down you're thinking like you're just like one amongst you know a billion people, billions of people, and maybe it's not so important that your boss yells at you. In the grand scheme of life, in the grand scheme of the universe. Um, so you're a little bit, I don't know, making light of the situation. Like, yeah, who cares, your boss, he's just, he's just one of those little specs too, right? Um, so that's one way of looking at it. The other way to, to think about it is to ask yourself the three whys. So the purpose of your job or primary role. And you want to ask, why does it matter? And you want to go deep, deeper a couple of times. So, you know, for example, same situation. You have your boss calling you at home, yells at you, and then hangs up, hang on, hangs up on you after insulting you. And you think you have to think to, of, of yourself, okay, why, what is the purpose of, what was the purpose of that contact, of that communication? What was, what is the purpose of what I'm doing here? I mean, I, I think of that, I think of that a lot. I don't know if, of, of you, of y'all who are, um, who watch this, um, if you think like, what is the point of, <laughs> especially lawyers who, you know, we do some interesting, we do some interesting work, don't get me wrong, but, but some of it is a little, um, you know, it's just a lot of it is sort of rote things that we do all the time, like answering or writing discovery requests, that sort of thing. You know, maybe, you know, going to status hearings, especially those, you know, like a few minute status hearings. You're just like, what is the point of this? Right. But you have to remember the purpose. So like going, going to a status hearing, what is the purpose of that? You sit through a, you know, long status hearing or you sit for a long status hearing and then the judge finally calls you up, you have a you know two minute conversation and then you're out of there. What is the purpose? Well, number one, you had to go because the court, the purpose of it was to go because the court wanted you to go. You report the status of the matter. Well, why do that? Well, why does that matter? So it matters because uh, uh, the judge wants to make sure that your case is moving along. Well, why is that important? Well, because um, that matters because my client needs to make, wants the case to go forward and it's important that justice is done. And that's ultimately the maybe the purpose. We're serving our clients well. We're making sure justice is done. So in that way, we want to think about the three whys or the purpose of what we're doing. And that helps us to reframe ourselves. Yeah, we had to go, we had to drive to the courthouse or we had to walk to the courthouse and we had to sit in this noisy room and we had to wait forever. And we only got to talk to the judge for about two seconds, but 
why was that important? Frame that experience from something that could just be stressful to something that actually has a great meaning to not only the judicial judicial system, but also to our client. So after the um, after uh, a negative situation, here are some more tips. It helps to write down the experience. And you want to focus on the cause. And you want to replay the event as if you were an observer. So why, why would you want to do that? It's because, you know, the cause is not always what you think it is in the moment. So if, so going, going back to the argument that you had with your boss, the cause of, if you look at it from uh, an observer's point of view, so not just observing the moment that your boss was yelling at, but sort of maybe putting it in context that only a third party observer can see, they can see the real cause. So maybe the boss wasn't really mad at you. Maybe the boss was just having a bad day. Maybe he got yelled at by the managing partner, or maybe he got into a fight with the spouse or with his kids on the way to work. Or, you know, maybe his he's sitting at home again and there's no food in the house or he doesn't have toilet paper or something really is really stressing him out in the moment and takes it out on you. Now, I'm not telling you that's right. I'm not trying to say that the boss was correct in yelling at you. What I'm saying is you cannot you're not going to be able to stop your boss from doing what, what he or she is going to do. But you're going to be able to stop letting stressful situations like that get you down. And you're going to be able to uh, lessen the impact of the experience. So if you're able to look at it from a third-party observer's point of view and think, okay, why, why did that happen? And focus on the cause, and maybe maybe he was just having a bad day, and he's not really mad at me. Then you're able to go on, you go on with your day without thinking that you're dumb. You're not thinking, "Wow, I really screwed up." You're just thinking, "You know what? I understand what he's saying. He probably there's probably some validity to what he's saying, but he didn't mean to be that harsh." Yeah, he's probably a jerk, but everyone is entitled to a second chance, or everyone's entitled just to have a bad day. So let's just move on with life. I think that really helps with our situation. It's going to help with our stress. So here's the big question that you know we can have a little bit of conversation on, which is, can we reframe what's happening during the quarantine and pandemic? Can we reframe what's going on? And can we focus on maybe the cause, replay it, what's happening as if we were an observer. And then think about, well, maybe it's not, don't get me wrong, but maybe we don't have to let it stress, stress ourselves out as much as we're letting it. So, you know, like a perfect example, like today I had an awful, Where's my camera here? I had an awful time with the internet today. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to watch, um, I was trying to watch some uh, webinars on my computer today, and I was just having the worst time with it. Um, it, I was watching like a Zoom meeting. It kept going in and out, and I don't know if it was my internet. I don't know if it was Zoom. I don't know what it was, but. It was it was stressing me out a little bit, and then I, I, I really thought about it. And I reframed it a little bit, and I thought, well, okay, does it really matter that I'm not able to watch this webinar? It wasn't something for work. It was just a CLE that um, that I was watching on construction. Yeah, I mean, it would have been really interesting because it was like general counsel from engineering firms who, you know, were talking about the pandemic, um, and so it's to what I do because I do do some construction work 
And so I always try to find some industry specific things to at least listen to. So, um, so yeah, but that was, that was really stressed out. But if I, when I reframed it and thought, okay, well, what's, what's the cause of what's happening here? It's not because I, it's something I did. It's not, I'm not a bad person. You know, me being a person didn't cause the internet to go out or didn't cause zoom to have an issue. Um, it's probably something, you know, too many people using the internet, um, you know, Zoom having an issue on their website, what have you. So I ended up just calling in on my phone, and that actually worked much better, and I was able to listen to the program better um, than I was actually watching it, you know, on the video through Zoom. But I did let it stress me out for a little bit. Um, and then I thought, and then I remembered sort of this. And so this is the sort of thing, the, the process that we're going to have to go through on a daily basis because we're all are we are all dealing with new events that we're not used to and so uh we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to reframe we're gonna have to remember our affirmations and we're gonna get through this no matter how long it takes and you know as i said before I, in several you know mediums we have to be ready for this to, to extend for a couple of months yeah i know things are reopening again I mean, in Illinois, not really, but in other places they are. But who knows whether we're going to be back doing this again in a couple of months. And if we're, we're not getting ourselves ready to not allow this or to stop having this be a stressful experience, all right, let's go back. So I hope. I mean, is that helpful? Is the, the reframing um, helpful? Because you know, when I when I th thought about all of the things that that we have, all of the good things that we have, and then think about people who don't have all of those good things, and they're they can be happy. It's not it's not because this guy's a rickshaw driver, and you know he doesn't know any better. I think it's just because he's able to see the good in things. Because, I mean, look, my job as a lawyer, it's taxing on my brain a little bit. You know, some days way more than others. But it's not physically taxing like the guy in India. So, anyway. So, and I think it, gratitude dovetails right into what I was the third way to get it purposed. One was affirmations, one the second was reframing, and the third now is gratitude. Rumination, which is that constantly stewing over stressful incidents, stressful events. And what Dr. Chatterjee says in the book, The Stress Solution, is that gratitude is the antidote to rumination. And it, studies have shown that a daily gratitude practice can have profound effects. So it, it can trigger a wide variety of positive emotions, including love, joy, gratitude, contentment, and hope, as well as reducing the activity of the emotion. And another comment says, um, it makes me think of a saying I was taught when I was younger, don't sweat the small stuff, reframing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, just to think about sort of your broader purpose, right? We're connecting back to our purpose, living our life on purpose and connect, connecting back for, you know, frankly, why we're on the earth, that, that purpose. Um, and if you don't, worry so much or you don't let impact you don't you're not impacted as much by the the small stressful event even though it seems like a big deal at the time then you're able to you're definitely able to to look back on your purpose and to be less stressed out so uh there's something called loving kindness meditation and i had a video set up for about five minutes of loving kindness meditation I don't, I don't think we have time for that because we have about, it's um, about 52 minutes past the hour right now. We have just a few more minutes to, a uh, couple slides to go through. 
Um, but I, I will explain to you what loving kindness meditation is. For those of you who are meditators, if you do meditation and you're watching this, uh, put yes in the comments because I would love to see how many people um, are doing meditation on a daily basis. But loving kindness meditation is really, um, you have basically a mantra, which is something like, you know, I wish, I wish you, I, I am, I wish you well. Um, I wish um, that you're healthy and happy. Okay. And so those are the, the mantras that you're thinking about as you're meditating. And meditation is essentially just, I call it just like deep breathing, where you're sitting, you're um, thinking about, you're, you're thinking about the breath and you're feeling the way that your body is sitting in the chair and how you're breathing. And you could feel the breath come out of your nose and you're, you're focusing on the breath. And at the same time, in loving kindness meditation, you're you're thinking about these mantras, and so you're you start off with yourself. So I am happy, I am healthy, I am at ease, and you do that for a little while, and that helps you to connect with yourself. And then you extend it a little further out. So you think about. You think about, hold on one second. Yeah, you think about one other person. So if you're married, you might think about your spouse. If you have kids, you might think about like one of your children or all of your children, whoever you want. But typically it's one other person. And you, you say, you think to, about to them. I wish you well. I wish... Uh, that you're happy. I wish that you're healthy. And then you extend it further out. And depending on how much time you have, you can go to, you know, work colleagues. So if you, you start with yourself, you go to family, then you go maybe to your work colleagues, then you go to your broader community, then you go to your country, and then you go to the whole world. At the end, you're, you're saying this to everybody in the entire, like, universe. And so you're wishing them well, and um, you're including yourself sort of in this wider universe. And that's what loving kindness meditation is. And so what that does is it's gratitude because you're thanking these people. You're thanking, you know, your, your spouse your children, then you're thanking your work colleagues and wishing them well. You're thanking everybody and you're wishing them well. So it's a it is a gratitude concept. That's actually my favorite type of meditation. Oops. So our weekly action item is that we start a gratitude practice. So we think about, number one, we think about a person you feel grateful for, for what they did during the day. And you focus on wishing them gratitude. So you can either do this in a meditation practice. You can do this as you're going to sleep. You could do this uh, in a journal. However you want to do it, but just think of one person for what they did during the day, focus on wishing them well. So if, um, I have a lot, a lot of people that I would get, be thankful for, but um, I would thank, I be, be grateful for my wife because she made um, this really awesome pizza for dinner. So I would focus on wishing her gratitude. Also, so as number two, I would think about a pleasure that I experienced during the day. So I was telling the people on Instagram before this started, I was watching this um, uh, this live video of a guy who was, he's like the social media 
guy. He's like a younger kid who he had like some terrible haters on his Instagram, but he just kept going through it, you know? And I felt a lot of emotions during this. One was the haters were just really entertaining, although they were saying some pretty vile things. They were kind of entertaining. But this kid just kept going, doing his thing. He was actually on a separate uh, on a separate call, so he was filming himself as he was doing something else. But he could see the comments, but he just kept motoring through. So I felt not only entertained by what was going on and sort of I was laughing a little bit, but then also I kind of felt like, wow, you know, this is kind of an inspiring moment. And then also think about something. Uh, so f- feel gratitude. So I would feel gratitude for that experience. And then the third thing, as the gratitude practice, is to think about something that um, holds a promise for the future, and to feel gratitude for that. Um, for me, that would be something like um, I'm a big Disney fan, so maybe it would be like the reopening of Walt Disney World, whenever that would be. Um, sometime into the future. So I um, feel that promise for the future, and I would uh, feel gratitude for that. So the next, the final step is to the things that you feel grat- great. Um, and so that would be the, the person, the pleasure and the promise. And then maybe, and I just added this, but maybe even write down, write the person that you feel grateful for a letter or a note saying why you're grateful for what they did. And that's, I think a great start to a gratitude practice, um, to help you connect with. And all of those things, I think, help you connect to your purpose, right? And for several reasons. For the purpose, well, your purpose, uh, the person that you're, oh, and my wife says, celebrating our 20th anniversary, promise for the future. Yeah, that's definitely um, not only looking towards the date in July, but then also thinking of the 21st anniversary and the 22nd anniversary. So yeah, definitely um, promise for the future in that respect as well. So yeah, so thinking about not, so if you're thinking about the person, that person probably has a a connection with you um, in your purpose. Maybe not, maybe it's just like the person that start, well, or can you go? Maybe the person in the Starbucks drive-through. If you went to Starbucks and you got your coffee, and the person was really nice, I don't know if that really connects you to your purpose. Maybe it does if you're, you know, huge coffee connoisseur, right? Um, maybe the pleasure you experience helps you connect to yourself as a person. You know, I, as a person, I try to. Uh, you know, as I said from the very start, I tried to be a little bit of entertain, educational as well as entertaining. Um, and so a little bit of entertainment, thanks to the haters, but also inspiring because of what this person sort of went through and got through. Um, you know, that that connected me to my purpose as well. And then a promise for the future, um, you know, whether it's the opening of Walt Disney World or my upcoming 20th anniversary, that is definitely something that um, connects me to my purpose as well. So. I hope that this gratitude practice will um, help you um, to not only help relieve stress because it'll remind you that you have good things in your life. Think about Manaj, the guy from the video. He's a lot of things to be grateful for. Um, But he's, the trick is, is that, and if if you watch that video, he's like, yeah, you know, I had to walk through rain today, but I was able to come home and experience joy with my kids. You know, that's the kind of gratitude that we all need to be reminded of um, on a daily basis. So try to do this, try to do it tonight, and try to do it for the next seven days or seven evenings. And we'll come back next week and we'll talk about how it went. So as we wrap up, um, tonight's episode. I want you to all to remember that emotional intelligence is necessary for all lawyers 
and we can learn all of these skills together. And we are learning these skills together every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central on the Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. Here's my contact information. Love for, for you to connect with me on all social media platforms. I'm not on TikTok yet, and I'm off of, um, what is it, Snapchat. But connect with me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at AttorneyDSY. Uh, I think I'm on YouTube um, at AttorneyDSY as well, I think. Um, but you can find me by searching my last name. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. So love for you to connect with me um, so we can continue with this conversation online. So hope everyone is well, and uh, we will talk again. Take care, everybody.